Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Down the block, Andrew Johnson. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle has won. G'day legends, really special podcast today, joined once again by our good mate Lee Addison, who of course runs the Instagram page Rugby League Coach, he also has his small business Rugby League Coach, uh, which is a fantastic initiative that he runs, I'll let Lee talk more about that, we have had him on the podcast before he told his story where he came from England and he's coached in Howard Matt Systems, SG Ball Systems, a heap of high school systems across New South Wales and Queensland and been incredibly successful with a range of players that have gone on to do unbelievable things, some names off the top of my head, you you know, Adam Elliott, James Tedesco, Muller Talo, all these sorts of guys, Clint Gutherson, an absolute heap more, a plethora of guys that have gone on to do unbelievable things. And Lee, he's played a crucial role with all these guys. And there's a fellow making his debut this week for the Canterbury Bulldogs. His name is Kiko Manu, and he's playing in the centres. Not a guy that I've seen much of before, and a guy that's come the long way around to make his first grade debut. And Lee... He was the man that discovered him. The, the story about him finding him is simply incredible. And then Manu's journey from when he was found by Lee Addison to now making his first grade debut is incredible. He's 23, 24 years old now. So he has gone the long way around. He's never given up. It's a fantastic story of perseverance. I absolutely love hearing these sort of stories. And it's the sort of stuff we don't hear enough of in rugby league. For now, though, I'm going to hand you over to Lee to tell the entire story. Sensational stuff. Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Got a special guest on today, a fellow that's been on here before, Lee Addison, of course, one of the best junior coaches in the country. Lee, what has been doing? I didn't think you'd have me back on. I heard a rumour that there was mass protests that I was on the first time. I didn't think you'd ever have me on again. Mate, you've been putting out some good gear, I've been noticing recently, <laughs> as always. Uh now, mate, obviously uh, a pretty special week for you. Uh, a young bloke making his debut at Canterbury, and he's got a pretty special story. Tell us about him. Well, the first thing I want to mention, he was actually a teammate of Ronaldo Mulatalo, who's been in the news all week this week. What a week. Holy origin. hell. Oh, so, I was actually on national TV on 
Sunday. I was on the Sydney News, the Brisbane News, and wherever else. Because Ronaldo Molasalo was in this same thing. And Ronaldo was the fullback. Philip Sammy was the right centre. And a man called Kiko Manu, who's making his debut for the Dogs this weekend, was the left centre. And that was in 2015. And he was age 18. So a quick bit of maths there, mate, makes him around about 23 now. You're just showing off now. Ah, mate, it took me two weeks to work that much out. <laughs> now, mate, obviously, the thing that stands out for me here, obviously, you, you've told me a little bit about this guy, and it's something that I've spoken about on the podcast on a number of occasions. I love guys that they don't come straight into first grade when they're 18. They have to go about things the hard way. They don't have a silver spoon mm. in their mouth. And this guy, mm. I mean, the journey that you just told me about, I can't wait for you to share it with our listeners. The journey that he's gone on, it's... um. It's quite rare. You don't see as much of it in rugby league as what you're used to. And, um, I mean, in, in the modern world, I mean, so many of these guys, if they don't make first grade by 2021, quite often they go and get jobs. They have to move on with life. This guy, um, he hasn't kicked stones. He's just kept on, uh, he's just kept going about his business. He's had disappointment after disappointment, and uh, he's got there finally. It's a sensational story. Take us, uh, take us back to the beginning, mate. Okay. 2014, I was in... New Zealand watching a tournament and to give any Australian listeners some context on the rugby league scenario over in New Zealand at age 17 there's a big carnival that's pretty similar to the Harold Matthews RSG ball except it happens in one week and it's the national championships and traditionally two of the best teams from Auckland are a team called Akarana team called Counties Nanakam what has been set up because Auckland is such a strong rugby league area is there's another team called the Auckland Vulcans Com- uh, to compare with something in Australia and your listeners might be familiar with this I would compare it to G-Ball Penrith and Parramatta being the top and underneath it being a Western Sydney Academy of Sport so at 17 or 16 actually Kiko was in that Vulcan side which basically means that when there's a carnival on and the results are coming in and all that kind of thing, the, the, the scouts tend not to drift to those games because they're playing the lower games, particularly if they lose on the first day. Now, I used to have a bit of a habit that I used to go to all the games that nobody was watching. That used to be a, um, a trend, but well, still a trend that I follow now to this day, just to see where the rough diamonds are. I know some coaches over there. One of them is now on the recruitment staff at West Tigers, Fisa Haller. Um, and they were telling me about a few of the kids in that team, the Open Vulcans team. So I went to have a look. And if I'm explaining what I saw in my what's in my mind's eye now, I saw a kid with a load of fighting spirit, a load of will to win. He, he ran, tackled as if he was fighting for every little inch time. So... He didn't have any sort of airs or graces about him. He didn't coast at all. He did everything at 100 miles an hour. Also had the skills of an outside back. So he had the attitude of a real tough forward, but the skills of an outside back. I wouldn't say he had exceptional ability to run past anyone, to run past people and and step them like a, a Phil Sammy or a Tuavata Shet or a Tedesco, nothing like that he would be more inclined to sort of run in, bash them away, and then step away from them kind of thing. So he had 
he had that sort of raw ability. And I just remember just him, him fighting for every inch, being a bit faster than any normal forward. I thought, he's worth a punt. I had him over to Ipswich High School, where I was the head coach. And we just made sure to land the trophy. And he wanted to come over, but he insisted he stay with family. Now, his family lived, his family lived a 50-minute drive away. And on public transport, that's a two-hour journey in the region of Kiko for a whole year, get up at 4 a.m. for 7 a.m. gym sessions and travel in on public transport. Wow. When I learned of this, when I learned of this four weeks in, and when I knew, because sometimes you get kids and you don't know what they've got. You, you make judgments of them when you when you see them play. You don't know how they're going to handle the tough grind. Once I've seen it, after a couple of weeks, I said to him, and, and his friend Kalani, you know, if you two want, you can train after school. I will sit with you and you can both train after school so you don't have to get up so early. They refused. We even offered to find them somebody to stay with on those days, the local, and they both refused. Kiko knows nothing else apart from kind of sacrifice. didn't make Queensland schools or anything that year. He made the district, so he made West. Um, but he did get picked for the Canterbury Bulldogs under-20s and got a contract. And I remember the recruitment guy at the time, said, where did you find him? I said, the same place you were looking, mate, <laughs> a year ago. <laughs> so he'd improved that much in a year. You know, hopefully that's testament to the programme we had and the culture we had and all that kind of thing. And played for the, the Bulldogs 20s for, for two years. But I think if you have a look at the statistics, he played virtually every game. So he was that kind of level. He was good enough to be picked every year for the Bulldogs 20s. Every game, sorry, for the Bulldogs 20s. But he obviously get the NRL call up straight away. Mate, I mean, for most guys, if you finish Toyota Cup and there's, you know, there's no contract coming after that, that can quite often be curtains. I mean, it takes it yeah. takes a lot for these guys in modern world in their life to keep playing footy and then to continue going with a part-time job or whatever it might be. It's a very tough gig. I think it says, you know, a lot about this guy. You mentioned the 4 a.m. wake-up calls, the offers to move closer to training to make life a little bit easier. It seems his work ethic just seems to be unreal. That's right, and his ability to bounce back from setbacks. So... He's had he's had setbacks, but being in that awful Vulcan side that year, twenty fourteen would have been a little bit of a setback. He'd have wanted to have been in Akarana or in Counties because that was the, basically most of those players got picked up by someone somewhere, be it the Warriors or in the club. Now, forward to when he was in the Bulldogs twenties and he went well there. I think one of the big issues is when you're playing at the the Olympic Stadium every other week in front of TV cameras as a curtain raiser to the NRL game. I think the mental climb down when you've done that for two years, you've been a regular, and then all of a sudden, it's not available to you anymore. I think that that pulls quite a few players, and I think it's done that historically. Because what happens is they're in full-time work then. So they've had, they've had employers that have been caring and compassionate to allow them to pursue the 20s dream for two years. Once that's over, you haven't picked up something in the NRL, and to either stay with that employer or find another employer, whatever it may be, life takes over. They earn more money, they 
probably passed an apprenticeship by then. And life just takes over, and the training they're doing in the evening isn't quite as hard as what they would have done at under 20. Uh, Tico seems stuck right in the middle of that scenario. He, he is a panel beater, or he has been a panel beater. I'll have to check up on that. And I know that because most of his social media feeds have been about his pride of work in that regard in the last couple of years. He's obviously gone out of the Bulldogs YC system. He's had opportunities at the Mounties. And for many, it's very easy, even if you're just in that situation, to cruise. I know myself when I played, if I played at a higher level and then dropped down to club, you've got to fight with every sinew in the body to try and keep training at the high level, even though the people around you aren't at quite the same high level. Pico will have gone back into that level. And instead of sort of falling into the level sort of subplots all the time or it's subculture, he always kept on with this NRL dream. Literally, thought that, oh, you know, maybe he was just going to stay at that level. I didn't, uh, you know, after a couple of years, you just naturally start to think that somebody's not going to get there. And then the news at the start of this year was that he made the NRL squad. And that is testament to his inner drive and his ability to keep bouncing back and just keep going regardless of, of what decisions are made for him. You obviously mentioned there um, that, you know, especially with with those three teams in New Zealand, he was playing for the Auckland Vulcans. It's one of those teams that was sort of overlooked. And I must say, this Mounties team at time, they are, they are a side that I probably overlooked because obviously Canterbury's not going too well. This team's doing all right. They're about halfway um, down the ladder or so. They're doing okay. But when I look at his stats from this year, I mean, he's played 13 games, five tries, nine line breaks, um, 49 tackle breaks. The things that stands out for me, though, He's going for 170 metres a game. That is incredible. <laughs> like, that is, I mean, we're, we're, we're all losing our shit over Brian Toto doing the, the, you know, it's 210 or whatever, 170. It's a pretty good knock, isn't it? And I think what you'll find is you'll be a very good defender too, uh, a physical defender. Um, when he makes his NRL debut this weekend, I mean, I've not seen him play for a, for a couple of years. Um, I'm not sitting here and saying that you should expect amazing things from Kiko. I'm not saying you're looking at the next, um, I don't know, who, who should we say, uh, Tommy Turbo, you know. Yeah. But you, you've got to have a solid footballer there and you're going to have somebody that will improve. So it doesn't take a genius to work out that across this journey, some people haven't believed in him initially. After a period of time, they've ended up believing in him. And that suggests to me that he's constantly worked on his game and constantly improved. Now, the Kiko I've worked with used to do that, so he's not changed that. He's not changed that. And half a decade passed. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. It's six it's years impressive. since I, I saw him every day. And we think back to what we were both doing six years ago, mate, and our lives are different, and we were thinking about different things and we were focused on different things, and both of us decided to take a change in journey, didn't we? So, sure, yep. It is so common. It is so common. And, you know, anybody who likes to look at these things just needs to look at the players who were around him in the in the NYC system at Canterbury. But then we'll have gone on to NRL, but the vast majority probably haven't in those two years. And the vast majority of the, of the ones that haven't are either in the state league. I don't want to use the term languishing because it's an excellent level of football, isn't it? But... Yeah. 
it, everyone wants to be in the NRL. And and that's why the story is so good. Um, I'm really keen for Tico to enjoy it, regardless, because he's accomplished something. But I'm telling you now, he won't just want to be a one-time NRL player. His next goal will be to cement his, his place in that team. And I think, and I mean, if there's some lessons in this for anybody listening, and I don't think it matters whether you're a kid or an adult, we sometimes always need reminding of this. Number one, you've got to believe in yourself before others can believe in you. And along this journey, Kiko has never lost belief in himself. Two, I think about consistency of effort and consistency of doing the same thing every single day, regardless of what's going on around you. I'll give you a little anecdote. Uh, back at Ipswich, we used to study year in the off-season. We'd study what went well and what didn't go well. And look back at all our old gym programmes, and I remember as well that Kiko, before that Palm Beach game that's on my social media from Tuesday, actually filled out his programme perfectly and kept records of everything. And he actually made the decision to just drop his weight by five kilos or everything, just so he had a bit more energy for that game. Yep. When we looked at some when we looked at some of the other players in that same team, some of them hadn't filled the programmes in. Some of them had tried to do too much chest, some of them had tried to do too much weight. That just gives you an indication of his thought process. So the second thing is just keep, keep chugging away all the time, just the same amount of effort and turning up all the time. And the third lesson is something that you want to achieve in life comes quickly. But keep moving. You've got to have a five, ten-year plan. The fourth one is you turn your setbacks into your comebacks. And this man will have had, in football terms, not in life terms, but in football terms, he would have had so many setbacks. There would have been so many people that didn't believe in him, but one or two that have, and he's just kept knocking on the door or, or, or running through the door or bursting the door down, and eventually he got his 20s contract. So that, you know, people might not Because let's face it, uh, 20s to uh, not going to the NRL and going into the reserve grade is essentially a bit of a sideways step, and he's kept chugging away there and everyone else is possibly drifting off and lives are uh, are moving in a different direction he's popped up again and this could be start I hope it's the start of a great new section of his career Mate, it's something that, um, that that always annoys me. Like, I obviously talk to a, a, a lot of fans and uh, and whatnot, and, you know, I, I've been doing some of these underrated podcasts the last few weeks talking about guys that are very underrated, and I had someone message me, and I, I won't mention the name of the player, but they messaged me and said, oh, what about him for? He was shit. He only played 40 games. And I sort of went, fuck, do people realise how hard it is to play one game let alone 40 yeah. games. Like, here you are, you've got the, this kid that you spotted in New Zealand. He moved to a different country as a teenager. He went through that entire yep. system in Ipswich. He then would have had to move down to Canterbury. This is all before he's 19 years old. Like, there is so much that goes yep. into this. And he has still yep. has to wait almost half a decade to now get a shot to play first grade. The journey to get there... I think it is one of the most underappreciated things. We get carried away with guys that have played 300, 200 games, played Origins. They are in the top 2% of footballers in the world, essentially. Like, it is um, to be able to get there to play one game, I think it is so underappreciated by so many people that are outside of that bubble. Right. And the other thing is, I am very confident that if you rank his employer, what qualities does Kiko have towards his work? 
they would they would be very similar to what I've just explained. Yeah, because that's the kind of person he is, and I think um, it's a rare beast makes his NRL de- debut deep into his twenties. At age twenty three, twenty four, he's at least one third into his twenties. Some people are starting to think about um, uh, marriage, children, uh, promotions at work, spending more time in the office or in the in the workshop or building site or whatever it may be. Well, no, what Kiko has done is, is still focused on that football journey. So debuts like this and players like this, uh, I'm telling you now, and games blow out NRL and people blame it on the new rules and or the new rule interpretations a lot of it is down to a lot of the players that have had it easily or a lot easier they don't spend as much time thinking about the other side of the ball the tough stuff that needs to happen the defensive stuff the digging in the, the staying in the game when the going gets tough well if Kiko hasn't displayed those qualities in his life I don't know what he's done because he's had to stay in the game. He's had to fight. He's had to do it when everyone else has been getting the headlines. And he'll be full. He's full of friends, teammates. Two of his teammates from his school team, Ronaldo Molotalo and Philip Sammy, have both played Origin already or been selected for Origin already. He will have known in his heart that was as good as them or comparable to them. And... Kiko's life will be full of stories like that, probably from 14, where other people have got options in rugby league terms. Again, I just think it's a lesson for everybody in the workplace, you know, everywhere. Just keep keep building towards your dreams, keep keep going every single day. This is the Kiko story is the absolute epitome of that. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. That, that uh, line of thought. I think, as you just said, mate, obviously, you know, for for young footballers out there, it's sensational. But as you just said, for anyone trying to achieve anything, it is just the perfect narrative, isn't it? Yeah. It's unreal. Yeah. I think in this modern world we're in, Guru, we tend to think we can get things quickly. Yeah. Um, A lot of things are bite-sized. If you want to fix your car or fix something around your house, probably click on YouTube and find it. And I think there's a few generations coming through now who, who don't quite have the same work ethic or um, attention to detail or longevity math that some other work uh, generations do. Big assumption, I know, but I think we've all felt it a little bit. I, I, I work in school, so I see it. I see it with different pieces that are given in that kind of thing. The, we, we're in a life where things come to, to people a lot quicker. There's a lot of creature comforts around us. And taking the hard road is the most common. And as I keep saying, 
Kiko is the epitome of that. Like you say, it's a narrative. Because he has taken the hard road. So when he steps on that field for Canterbury weekend, literally taking one of the hardest roads to that route. And Lee, without trying to um, embarrass you here, mate, but I mean, it must be an extremely proud moment for you. I mean, if you don't walk over to that, that other field to watch the Auckland Vulcans, which most scouts aren't doing, let's be honest here, I mean, this kid's journey, it doesn't even start. It ends in New Zealand with the Auckland Vulcans, realistically. I mean, for him to come over, for you to take care of him at school, for you to offer him some easier paths and for him to turn them down because of family and just wanting to work harder, for him to then move down to Canterbury and then when, when I assume you probably thought his dream was potentially over for his name to pop mm-hmm. up this year to be signed and then for him to make his first grade debut this week. I mean, mate, that must be a pretty special moment for you as well. Absolutely. It was, um, there's a few now. There's, there's hardly an NRL game goes by without somebody of Colts. There's plenty of stories, but this one is particularly special because it, it isn't an easy journey. Um, there's been one or two over the years that I thought of in this regard too. I was uh, a fellow from Ipswich, Dutch Cleveland, who you may remember yep. was hovering around the, the Bulldogs and Cronulla for a while. I think he played a couple of NRL games from memory. But he, he came back at age 26. and that. But his, his was a little bit different. He got some accolades when he was young, but he did a few re- knee reconstructions. I think it's always pleasing to have somebody that nobody else believed in and, and knowing that you got that that decision right um, that got a reward exchange messages with Kiko this morning and the other thing is he's as he's as aware and conscious what things happened around him so he knows that he was picked out from and, and what, I'm not going to say obscurity because he was still on a he was still on parade in the Auckland Bulletins but his chances were getting less and less. His, his opportunity to shine was getting slimmer, his his percentage chances. So he's still cognizant of that all these years later. And look, a coach can only do so much. Co- a coach can only potential in someone and try and bring that out. I'm thinking back, there was definitely... Pico definitely flourished in, in my system at Ipswich State High back then the perfect mix. Um, some people, it just ends up being the perfect mix. I remember Tremaine Spry, who was at a different school for five years and then tried it to stay high for his last. Him coming into our system with me as coach was just a perfect mix. Within three weeks, there were scouts and agents galore. What a piece of him. I'm not going to sit here as a coach and say, because of Lee Addison, like, it's a combination of things. And us as coaches, we can only add 20 or 30. It, it, it's the perfect fusion. It's the perfect fusion of, of that coach and player or that system and player. Honestly, the big chunk of it is that player and what they bring. And I could keep listing those qualities over and over and over. And I listed them a few times already this morning, talking and writing different things. I think I keep doing them in a different order. <laughs> I'm <working them> slightly <laughs> differently, but um, yeah, they're the qualities, the, the persistence, the... Uh, the ability to keep going and turn it up and do the same thing over and over. I think they call it discipline, not Something like that. I, I've got very little of it, but something along those lines. <laughs> Lee, um, mate, obviously you came on our podcast uh, end of last year. I think it was, might have been early this year. And um, 
Mate, you've obviously got your small business that you run as well. I say small business. I wouldn't call it small anymore, just quietly. Uh, rugby league coach, mate. Tell us all about that. Just under three years ago, I made a decision that wanted to coach anybody in the world who wanted to be coached. So, you know, we've just told a story about somebody who hasn't been noticed by a lot of people. Well, uh, I'm not point on it. I'm a very successful coach, particularly levels that not very many people look at all the time and I've been a successful coach in winning trophies and getting to grand finals but in developing players and of course my uh, raison d'etre that's what gets me out of bed every day helping people and getting but there comes a time when you think to yourself well why am I not coaching at that level why have I not been picked up by a club there or whatever it may be and political things the a look thing. I remember I was in the Penrith system and I was coaching the junior reps after I'd been at Manly for a couple of years. Gus Gould came in and sacked everyone. I, I told that story last time. So there's a lot that goes into it. And in 2016, I made a decision that I wanted to flip around what I did as a coach. And for Kiko to meet me, he'd need to find him, bring him to Ipswich, me to coach him. There's a lot of things that have to go on. A lot of sliding doors moments there. And you have to be in the same geographical space as someone. I decided in 2017, well, I decided in 2015, but launched it in 2017, that I was going to flip that round. And um, 2018, I'm getting dates mixed up. 2017, I decided 2018, I launched it to flip that round. And I wanted to get my coaching out to anybody who wanted it. So I decided billycoach.com.au, which is a, a website, a coaching website, coaches, players, and S&C coaches, full of programs and uh, videos. I basically describe it as a Netflix for people who want to learn about rugby league. It's been a big coach development tool. Players go on there and get programs. If it was a textbook, it would be about 3,000 pages thick. It's my rugby league thing online. So I basically put everything I think I know and boom, and, and threw it into, a, into an online resource. For a couple of years, and with COVID, brought into focus this kind of platform. Started getting phone calls to do one-on-one sessions because there was COVID restrictions and people weren't allowed to do training in groups. So I started doing one-on-one small groups. And then this year, 2021, I did the Aim Higher program, which I've done a few versions of before. There's a few precursors um, in the past. I won't bore you with those. I do a new hire program. So we launched in Brisbane in January. We've done South and uh, North Brisbane. Um, and then what we do with that is we visit there each area two or three times a year. So we've had uh, a South Brisbane camp in the Easter holidays. Next week we have a North Brisbane camp. But we we're also due to launch in Sydney and Melbourne this week. But COVID has obviously scuppered that. So we've moved that back to September. From... September onwards, we're going to be launching even more regional and national centres. And then when the borders open, we'll take it wherever we can. So, yeah, that's what I've been doing. And as things stand in, in 2022, I don't have a team to coach. So I'm putting it out there. Mate, it, it's so sensational for you to be diving headfirst into it. Oh, I think the future of it is going to be unreal. Hopefully I can play my little role with you and hopefully we can uh, hear more 
from you on the podcast over the next few months. We've got a couple of plans uh, in the works, don't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whenever you want, you've been great. Um, thank you for your support and sharing all the posts. And may I say, while we're uh, embarrassing each other, what, what great strides you're making to your podcast. And I've always said to you, and I said it the first time I spoke to you, your voice is perfect for this. You might be the next Ray Warren. Mate, I, I definitely haven't got the head for TV like I saw you you on the on the telly this week, but I'll, I think I might have the voice for it. So a little win for us, <laughs> Lee. Mate, uh, I thank you once again for joining us, and um, thank you for sharing that fantastic story. Cannot wait uh, to see this young bloke rip in on the weekend. Good girl.